0: I hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, I personally love the time between Christmas and New Year because it feels like you can just order your whole life and be all good uh, for the next year. And then you realize a week uh, uh, into Christmas, uh, into the New Year, that maybe you were too ambitious. Um, but uh, I feel like somehow the time slows down during, uh, during the, the time between Christmas and, uh, and New Year. I'm very happy that you made it this morning to finish up this, well, this, this year well. If uh, you come next week, I can tell you, you will have a perfect record of coming to church uh, in 2024. Uh, I don't know if you can say this about 2023, but uh, I am very uh, happy if this has been your 56th time this year or the first time. We are very happy that you're here. A few weeks ago um I, I preached on uh on the love of God and basically saying you you have to do nothing um it's just a gift to accept um, today i wanna invite you to actually do something um and uh and it's a very personal message um that uh, just kind of something that during the last days i I was thinking getting ready for my new year so In my business, I I help business owners to uh, kind of create the business and uh, their life that they want. And one important aspect is actually to to get the picture of your preferred future. To get actually crystal clear on who you want to become or how do you want your business uh, to look like. Now, that is not only important for business, it's it's important for all aspects of our lives. So... One reason of why I waited many, many years to get married because I knew what kind of a husband I wanted to be and there was some work in progress that still needed to happen. Now now I can say I'm just a great husband because my wife is not listening. You know, I waited until I was uh, 39 to have our first baby and the reason was I knew what kind of a father I wanted to be. It's a problem when you get older. You kind of know what it takes and I was like I like my life I like my sleep I like my freedom and now it's taken all away because I knew there's going to be a price now for the spiritual life it's the same thing somehow sometimes we just kind of come to church we go through the motion but we don't have a preferred future of what we want our spiritual life to look like so this week I, I was thinking okay what for 2024, now if you like re- New Year's resolutions or if, uh, you don't like them, it's all good. Um, I wanted to, I asked the question, who do I want to be spiritually next year? What does my preferred future, Philip, look like? What, 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 what would be the one thing that I could nail it down to, to say, okay, this is what, uh, what I want to look like? spiritually next year and my answer was very simple i want to trust god more i want to trust god more and i made a list of things of why i think it is important for me to trust god more and the reasons why i actually believe i can trust god in 2024 so i said it's a personal message because i'm just going to run through my list uh, and hope that it, it may, may, may benefit you but I'm actually pretty confident that it would benefit you because of hundreds of conversations, pastoral conversations. I, I've realized that this is the key question. Can I trust God? Can I really trust God? Even if we adopt uh, the right belief and a healthy theology, we are sometimes trapped that there's this doubt in our conscience, uh, conscious or subconscious mind Can I really trust God? How can I trust God if this happened in my life? How can I trust God when everybody experiences a miracle but I am uh, somehow left out? Everybody has a testimony and I somehow don't have a testimony. How can I trust God when I feel lost and I feel I haven't felt his presence for years? How can I trust God when some pictures in the Bible don't make God look very good? And some preachers capitalize on that. And there is this fear. Is really God trustworthy? So this morning I want to give you 11 personal reasons why I, try, I will trust God in 2024. Why I will be why, why this will be another year where I will go all in for God. Where I will hold nothing back because I believe his trust Trusting him is the best thing I can do in the next year. I want to trust him even more in 2024 than I have in 2023. With my pain, with my circumstances, my failures, my successes, my brokenness, my family, I want to trust him. When I will reflect back on 2024 in one year, I I want to say yes I trusted him when the sun was shining on Mallorca and when the storm came. When the sun of my the, the sun in my life was was it was bright it was beautiful things were going really well I was on top of everything and when I felt like I'm I'm just uh, nothing when I, I feel like there's just a dark cloud hovering over my head I want to trust God. Well so we're going to go quickly because we don't want to include a New Year's party. Okay. Uh, the... okay, I'll turn this on. I even, have the, I even took over the control. Um, so, 11 reasons why I will trust God in 2024. Okay, reason number one. Because Jesus reveals to us who God is. Now, this sounds now the- uh, theologically, and, and we will jump into some th- theology here, here and there. But this is actually for for centuries humans have asked who is god can i trust god is god for me or against me what kind of offerings do i have to do to please god now for christians we have an incredible answer god is like jesus Whoever has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus proclaimed in John fourteen nineteen. Now, this is unbelievable. Okay, some people feel like the good news is that Jesus is God. But actually, the more beautiful news in my life is that God is like Jesus. <laughs> in Jesus, we find a revelation of who God is, and we can trust that he is good because we see in Jesus the ultimate good. Now some have a different image of God and, and somehow sometimes even redemption was explained this way. Okay, Maybe you've, you've been there and have heard a preacher teach you this. So one day you will stand in front of God in a great courtroom and all your sins will be shown on a big screen. And everybody will be there, even your mother. And God looks at all of this and he goes like, I can't believe it, how messed up you are. How much sin you've accomplished to partake in, to do. And God just shakes his hand and gets angrier and wants to send you to hell for the next 456 million years. And suddenly the door of the courtroom opens up. The music of Indiana Jones starts playing. And Jesus is coming in and he says, Father, stop. I've paid for his sins. Don't send him to hell. Now the truth is the whole of the whole the, the truth of the whole story is that Jesus did pay for our sin, but the image of God is broken and distorted. God does not have multiple personalities. Jesus is not the good one, and God the bad one. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's why I can trust God because I can see Jesus and I see who God is. And that is good news. Reason number two, because Jesus reinterprets and corrects all images of God. Now there are many images of God that are simply terrible and have caused much suffering and injustice in the world. Now, let me be very honest, okay, and not just blame other religions. There are many images of God, even in the Bible, that make us wonder, how can God do something like this? Now, if you have an image of God that does not match up with Jesus, then stick with Jesus. When you find an image of God that does not match up, the good news is God is like Jesus. Jesus himself said it well. He even said, you have heard it say. But I tell you now, there is a new revelation. God is like me. In the past, God spoke. Okay, this comes out of Hebrews 1, 1, 2, 3. Somehow the slides are a little bit messed up. I don't know why or how that happens. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in the last days he spoke to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things and through him also he made the universe and now it comes. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He is the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. We have heard images of God through the prophets. But now we have the final, the beautiful revelation, how God is in Jesus Christ. He is the exact representation of God. Number three, because Jesus forgives even those who crucified him. Now, if you want to know how God thinks and how, who God is and how God feels about you, I mean, we have a God who is hanging on the cross looking down at the people who crucified him and saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. That's how God is. Or more precise, that's who God is. He's hanging on the cross. The people who just crucified him. And he looks down and says, God, Father, forgive him. Forgive him. That's a beautiful story. Now, before you ask me later if it's true, it's not true, okay? Up there in heaven, okay? Peter, St. Peter's standing in front of the in front of heaven and is making sure who comes in and who who doesn't come in now inside of heaven there is the apostle paul running the place now once a week they have staff meeting and because it's a per- it's in heaven everything is perfect so they are looking at their numbers and they realize and and peter is upset he is upset because he looks at his numbers and he realizes that there are people that somehow the lists don't match up. There are more people in heaven than he lets in and that, that he doesn't know what to do with this. So he looks and says, Paul, there must be a, there must, it must be your fault. I don't know what is happening. I'm letting in these people and now in heaven there are more people. How in the world is this possible? Well, this goes on for weeks. Every staff meeting, the same issue, same problem. One day, the Apostle Paul is running. I mean, he is running to the Apostle Peter and say, Peter, I found the problem. You did? What's the problem? Well, it's Jesus. He's helping people over the wall. (laughs) That is the kind of Jesus we believe in, who is helping people over the wall getting in, being part of it. He's looking down from the cross saying, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Reason number four. Because not everything that is happening is God's will. Because not everything that is happening or that happens is God's will. Now that first sounds a little, like a a little heresy, but... There's a lot in the world that is happening that is not God's will. It's called sin. You open up the Bible, there's a beautiful picture of how God wants things to be. And then it takes a turn. And not everything that happens corresponds to God's will and is his plan. There are things that happen in your life that break the heart of God. There will be things in 2024 in my own life that will stink. Maybe it will be the most difficult year of my life. Maybe I'll get sick. Maybe something happens to my wife or my daughter. But in these dark times, I want to remember not everything that happens is God's will. You know, if people go through tremendous suffering and some well-meaning Christian tells them everything happens for a reason, it's somehow all God's will, even if we don't understand it, I want to put my non-violence attitude to the side because it's cruel and it's bad theology. If your heart has ever been heavy because of the injustice in this world, if you've ever felt in your stomach a turn because of the evil and the brokenness of the world, who do you think this feeling comes from God feels this feeling a thousand times over because there are things that break the heart of God there are things in your life and there are things going to be in 2024 in my life that break the heart of God that are happening which brings me to the next point because I do not hold God responsible for evil all the evil and all the injustice and all the sin that you have experienced and that has left marks and something, sometimes even devastation in your life is not God's will. God cries over that. We cannot hold God responsible for the situation we are in. Or Let me say that again. We can hold God responsible for the situation we are in or we can experience his presence in the midst of darkness. You can either hold God responsible for it and ask why, why, why? Or you can realize that God wants to hold your hand. Both together normally don't work. We can become bitter and cynical or we can experience God holding our hand. On this side of eternity, we don't have the promise that everything will turn out well and everything will always be great. We will not overcome every problem and every challenge. But we have the promise that God is with us, that he wants to enter into the situation with us and wants to hold our hand. And for me, this doesn't take away from God. This actually makes him more beautiful and makes me want to trust him more. What brings me to the next point? Because God screams by my side. Because God screams by my side. In the, the last novel of Susan Howard's Star Bridge uh, series, she talks about the confident, self righteous bishop who finds himself in a very dark place and all of a sudden his world is shattered because his beloved wife dies. He ends up in a conversation with an old friend who can't get over how vulnerable and honest the bishop is being with him. And this is the conversation. Friend, God isn't live, bloody sometimes? Yes. Are you sure? Are you just saying that to be nice to me? No. Thank God. Lord, this is a very odd conversation to be having with a bishop. Excuse me while I just pinch myself to make sure I'm not dreaming. It's not a dream. Good to meet someone else who's gone through hell. Lately. Isn't this wonderful? It makes all the difference to know there's someone else screaming alongside of you. And that's the point of the incarnation. I can see that so clearly now. God came into the world and screamed alongside us. God came into the world and screamed alongside us. Perhaps that's why the reason why across many different religion spectrums across many, many nations and continents for thousands of years people have identified with with the cross. Because it speaks of our longing to know that we are not alone, that someone is screaming alongside of us in our darkness, in our brokenness and in our hurt. Maybe the cross is God's way of saying I know how you feel and it stinks. God does not give us an answer to suffering, but God does not withdraw from the suffering either. He sits down next to us and screams by our sides. God has not abandoned you, it's not his will that you go through all of this. He is not withdrawn, but comes into suffering and sits next to us and screams alongside and cries alongside of our lives reason number seven because God tries everything to bring good out of evil itself as a young boy I had a a big passion and that was uh, to become the next Bruce Lee um, you don't have to be scared. I didn't become the next Bruce Lee, but I went and started uh, not kung fu, but I started kickboxing. So I went and started kickboxing, and my parents were so gracious to actually put a, a sandbag into my uh, into my room, and I, I trained for hours and hours. I I once um, made, got a, uh, um, a prize for doing, I think, over a thousand kicks without ever sitting down. So I, I could do all of these, what the movies, the John Clone for dumb movies, uh, you, you know, could do, could do all the kicks in the world. And then I went uh, to my first mixed martial arts uh, uh, training. Okay, mixed martial arts is basically where you just put on some gloves and some uh, sh- uh, things on your feet. Uh, and then you just fight until somebody gives up. Now I, I knew I'm gonna be you know kind of the the guy who, who can do all kinds of things because I, I, I won all these prizes. I could kick you know the air uh, away from uh, in, in in my room like nobody else. Well I'm I'm, I'm starting I'm I'm starting to, to get th- and, and start my first fight. And all of a realize is that that all my ninja moves are not working here. And, and, and these people, they, without any effort, they just took whatever energy I brought to them and they turned it around and then all of a sudden I fell on the ground and I hurt bad. And in a very strange way, this is a picture of God for me. God knows judo. Okay, here's a definition of judo. Judo emphasizes winning in combat by using your opponent's weight and strength as weapons against them while preserving your own mental and physical energy. Something evil approaches us and God somehow transforms it. <laughs> he somehow uses and does his judo trick and all of a sudden something good comes out of it. You don't believe me? I even have a Bible verse to back it up. <laughs> uh, Uh, too fast. Romans eight twenty eight, And he knew, and we know, that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. I looked it up in Greek. It says in Greek, God knows judo. It doesn't say that all things are according to God's perfect will no some things are not according to his perfect will some things stink but somehow God in is in his wisdom in his in in this way he works in this world knows judo and he transforms all the bad that is coming to us and somehow makes something beautiful come out of it and if I would ask for a round of testimonies I think we all could could stand up and say yes There was a time and I would never want to do it again. I would never want to go through it again. But somehow, God turned it and something beautiful came out of it. It does not mean that it was good or that God was behind it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God knows judo. (laughs) He can turn it and transform it into something beautiful in all circumstances, even the bad ones. God works behind the scenes so that something good can come out of it. And I hope I remember this in 2024 that when hell breaks loose, I can trust that God will do a judo trick and he will turn it into something good. I want to trust that the promise lies in the future and not the present. So now that we may be in a bad situation, we can trust God, despite of any evidence that God, the God of the future, is going to turn this into something good. All we know that God is working behind the scenes for the good of those who love him. Reason number eight. Because God has been faithful in my past, I remember a time when I was not doing very well, and I went into a worship, a, a worship, um, a worship uh, a service um, at at a church, and I'm I'm uh, I'm not the big worshiper. Okay, there are others uh, um, who 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 have that job. I I, I don't. Uh, somehow, uh, when I come, I I. I like the word. I, I like to kind of. I'm looking forward to the teaching, um, and uh, and and so there are very seldom times that I can remember in my life when when I was sitting worshiping and 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 I could feel God's presence. Now s- some feel God's presence through worship every time, and and I I wish that would be the case for me. That's not that's not the case. But I can trace back sometimes when I was in in a worship service, and there was a music and there was a a way that all of a sudden God spoke to me. and and this that particular Sunday, i I was I was really not feeling good. There was things in my life that were not going as I wanted them to go. and and I, I, I was uh, I was not a happy worshiper, <laughs> to put it mightily, but I was I was standing there, and all of this uh, sudden, this song came up. We will sing it uh, here at the closing of the service, um, reminding me that God has been faithful. And if I look back in my life that God has been faithful and I remember there how, how, how I was standing there and realized that yeah, take my own circumstances now, or take my own problems, for, put them aside for a second. But if I look back on my life and, and, and the times I walked with God, the times when I trusted with God, he was faithful. And is he going to change all of a sudden for me now? <laughs> no, he's not going to change. He's not going to change for you. And I hope in 2024 that, that we will remember this, that we will really remember that he has been faithful. Good Indian proverb, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Which leads to the next reason, reason number nine. Because I know the end of the story. I know how it ends. You know, the first Christians believed that what God did with Jesus at Easter, he will also do with all other people and the whole world. That was their deep hope that's actually the christian the the easter easter story summarized in one sentence is is that is that the first disciples believed that what god did on easter was a foretaste of what was to come and what is to come that one day god is going to raise up the whole world as he did with jesus on easter now I don't know where it came from but, but somehow even for some Christians you know uh, uh, that, that that idea is, is, is a new idea um, uh, but, but this is basically if you look at the old, oldest apostolic greeds, this is our hope okay our hope is not that when we die we go to heaven our hope as Christians is that one day God is going to raise up all people and restore this world Now, what happens until then, and and how we're going to spend the the, the immediate time in heaven and how that all looks, we we can all discuss all of that. But uh, the future hope of all Christians is that what God did with Jesus, he's going to do with all of us and with creation. Evil, sin, suffering, injustice, brokenness will not win in our own lives and in this whole world. The war will end one day. One day Jesus is going to come back and he's finished what he started heaven and earth are going to merge there's a new creation that is going to come forth and we will bodily be resurrected that's that that, some people we think that we're going to sit on clouds and 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 uh, and sing songs we are going to be bodily resurrected that's why our that's why we are religion where the body matters because our future is God. This is not just his first test and then let's try it another way. No, He, the, the, the evil, the, the suffering will not win at the end. Actually, God is going to redeem all of this. And he's already working through all of us and through his church to bring forth this new creation and this new hope and this new life. That one day we know, even in the midst right now where there is just injustice all over us, there is injustice and brokenness and war all over us. We know that the day will come where God is going to restore everything. That is the Christian hope. And in my darkest moments in 2024, I want to remember that... <laughs> it's not over (laughs) it's not over okay going back to the proverb everything will be okay in the end and if it's not okay it's just not the end I can trust that God will restore everything Romans 8 says that all creation even the animals are yearning for this day for Jesus to come back and restore because there's a deep brokenness in all of our lives and in this world. Do not give up hope. The final word has not been spoken yet. We know the end of the story. You read Revelation and you will not understand 18 chapters, but then you come to chapter 21 and it's got all exciting. Because there we read that he will wipe away every tear. Every tear I will cry in 2024. There will be the day where he will wipe it away. He will hear the broken heart. He will create peace. He will feed the hungry. He will end injustice. Evil will not win or prevail, and he will restore our shattered dreams. Cory Tin Boom said it well. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer in the moments of darkness in 2024 don't throw away your faith don't throw away your trust just sit still because we know the end of the story this is why Easter matters because it gives us this foretaste that we know it will all end well otherwise we don't have hope otherwise we don't know that love wins Otherwise we don't know that injustice will stop. Otherwise we don't know that the the war will stop. But with Easter we know the end of the story. He is risen. He is risen indeed. There is new life. There is new creation. Number 10. Because Jesus died for me on the cross. I can trust God in 2024 because Jesus died for me on the cross. The greatest proof of love is the cross. Why? Because when we look around this world we see that there are many things that are wrong. There's much chaos. There's much brokenness. It's in us. It's in our relationships, our families, our nations and our world. And the reason for this is called sin in the Bible. And Paul, Apostle Paul says that the price of sin is death. There's a spiritual death, there's an emotional death, there's a mental death, there's an ultimately a physical death. But then Jesus came and he said, I'll take all this wrong, all the wrong decision, all the rebellion, all the brokenness, all of your sin. I will take and pay the price and I will die because the price of sin is death, but I will pay this price. They will only end in death. They give no life. They only destroy what I dream. So I take it on myself, and I die on this cross for the world. When Jesus hung on the cross, officially condemned as a criminal, unofficially as the savior of the world he said it is finished it is finished grace is there for everyone love wins no one has to get what they deserve everyone is invited and everyone can ha- everyone can have peace with god i have paid the price for sin now there is grace for everyone who wants it everyone is invited Now, I don't know what that means for you, but for me, this is good news. Because there is sin in my life where I've messed up, where I know it leads to death. And trusting Christ, I know that he has paid the price so that I can live. This is a great deal. But if we look more closely to the cross, we realize that this deal is only a means to an end. It's not the end. Because the cross shows us the heart of God. When we look at the cross, we see the greatest invitation ever spoken in history. Jesus took the first step. He hung on the cross and said, this is how much I love you. Do you want to return my love? So my wife is not in here, so I can share the story. I, I remember seeing this beautiful girl. Now, this was way before I was married, okay? So relax. I saw this beautiful lady. This beautiful girl. Uh, I mean, beautiful. I I wondered why this supermodel was working in a supermarket uh, and on the grocery store and and at checkout of the groceries. But there she was. A supermodel. Helping customers get their groceries. At the time I was, uh, I was 16 and I was living in Vancouver in Canada. Um, with my aunt for seven months to learn English. And I remember seeing this girl and I was like wow. So I offered for uh, my, my aunt that I would do the grocery shop- shopping now. And I, I, I told her, I, I, told her, uh, I don't want to carry all at once. I, I can go every day. <laughs> so every day I went to the grocery store and I was hiding behind uh, the aisle. Looking like a stranger. As she was beautiful. So one evening I said, you know what? Enough of being a creep. I will go and ask her out. I'll ask her for a coffee. Now I was not drinking any coffee at the time, but you know, I didn't think of anything better to say. So I'm I'm gathering some 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 things I didn't need, and I wait until the line is not very long, so that it's not going to be embarrassing standing there and asking her out. So I'm getting getting four or five things and. I'm putting them on, on, the, on, on, the, on the thing that moves, whatever that is called. And I hope nobody behind me comes, you know, but all of a sudden, like four or five people show up. I'm like, oh no. When I come to her, you know, my, my knees are shaken. I take all the guts that I have, I look her in the eyes, and in my beautiful, sexy German accent, I, I said, do you want to have coffee with me? And she looks at me and she says, I'm, I'm sorry. I have a boyfriend. I'm thinking, I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to have coffee with your boyfriend. But I didn't say it. I did the second best thing. I gave her the look. The look, okay. Okay. I've, 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 I've studied it in the mirror for just moments like that. I, I gave her the look, and looking back at it, I, I may have taken too long just looking at her. But I look at her, and then I ask her, are you sure? Well, she looks back and says, yes, I'm sure. So I stood there like a, a wet poodle. Didn't really know what to do, so I just grabbed my grocery and ran off. Now here's the thing. Jesus didn't just have the courage to ask us out for a coffee at the supermarket. Really. <laughs> Jesus didn't just write a love poem or compose a love song. He actually hang on the cross and died for us. He hung on the cross saying, this is how much I love you. If you've ever asked out a girl or a boy, you know, in that moment you put it all on the line. You don't know if they will say yes or no. It's, it's like all on the line. You can't control it. You can't force it on a date with you. It's, it's not right. You say it and you trust. Now Jesus didn't just ask us out in the supermarket. He didn't just write the poem. He didn't just cross the Atlantic to tell us how much he loves us. He actually gave his life for us to show us how much he loves you and how much he loves me. There is no greater sign. There's no greater proof. There's no greater way to tell us, I love you. And you know what? He does not control the outcome. If I were God, I would do it a little different. He actually tells you, this is how much I love you, and now it's up to you. Do you want to love me back? Do you want to accept this gift or not? He makes himself small somehow and very large at the same time because that's what love does. Love does not control. Love invites. So yes, he paid for our sins, as a means to an end. And the end is the greatest sign of history showing us that he loves us and that you are invited. Which brings me to my last point because God has revealed his love to me. Now this becomes a little bit mystical but I am a deep believer that there needs to become a point in your life where all this this head knowledge, all of this thinking about God needs to become something in your heart. Where there's that, that time where, where all of a sudden God speaks to your heart. I, I remember how I, I did the youth work in, in Frankfurt and it was kind of an open youth work. So a lot of street kids, there were not a lot of church kids that were part of it. And, uh, and Saturday night we had this uh, club, uh, youth club, that we opened up the doors and there was one guy who always came in, had fun with playing um, table tennis and, and foosball kicker uh, uh, with us. Um, but whenever I started then with my sermon, okay, kind of, he, he went out and uh, he was always uh, going out, you know, like people going out with talking to themselves, like how, how, things, how stupid everything is. So one time I just left everybody behind and I went back to him and out to him and I said, well, what's your deal? said, well, I don't believe in God. God is just a bunch of balloonies. He, I mean, he went off and on. So I tell, told him, I said, are you, are you sure God doesn't exist? Man, he doesn't exist. I said, okay, why don't we pray now? We go back in and we pray. And, you, and I asked Jesus and God to come into your life. And here's the deal. If nothing happens, I will stop my work and we will stop Saturday evening, our youth work. I will stop being a youth leader. But if something happens, man, you'll follow God. He was like, that's a great deal. So we go back and then I realize, what did I just do? So I'm sitting down and now I'm nervous. Okay. Now my, I'm like, okay, let, let's pray. My, my, my knees are shaking and I'm like, God, you better do something with it. Because otherwise I, I'm, I don't have a job anymore. And, and we are praying and i'm asking to pray with me and he's starting to pray and all of a sudden i open up my eyes after we said amen and i'm like oh this is going to be bad and all of a sudden his lie his 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 eyes and his face were shining and i look like what happened and he said i don't know but i want more <laughs> it does not have to be that dramatic but there needs to be a point in your life where all that knowledge, you, you can't solve it in your head. You, you, you can't just make up your mind to understand God. At some point, there needs to be a, call, a point where God somehow reveals himself to you. I did not grow up in the church. So when I was 14 years old, I wanted to solve this once and for all. So as a very humble German, I said, God, you have two weeks. If you show up in these two weeks, I will follow you with the rest of my life. If you don't, I do whatever I want. And if I ever stand in front of you, I said, you had your two weeks. I would do it more humble. But back then with 14, I said, that's how it works. You have two weeks. Now, it's a longer story that I'll share it another time. But in these two weeks, God all all of a sudden revealed his love to me. And it was like night and day that I can maybe walk away from God, but I could never, could never doubt his existence and his love for me. So we need that point in our, in our own lives. So these were my, and are my 11 reasons why I want to trust God in 2024. Some of you have experienced his love, had this encounter and developed a very strange theology theology that no longer has much to do with your first encounter and your first revelation that was full of life, full of joy, full of love. Maybe it's time to go back to your memories and trust him again on a whole new level. Some of you have been holding off to go all in, to really make Jesus the Lord of your life. Because you have doubts that maybe you cannot trust him. Well, I hope you can. You realize that you can. Make him the Lord of your life, not just your Savior. It's funny that some people trust Jesus with their eternity, but they don't trust him with their next week. Jesus was not big on wanting people to believe in him. Okay, let me say that again. Jesus was not big on wanting, to, wanting people to believe in him. It's not about believing in Jesus. It's about following Jesus. Even uh, The Bible says even the demons and the devil believes. <laughs> it's about following. He is asking to follow. To go all in. To not hold anything back. To say 2024. I'm going to trust it. It's not gonna, I don't have a plan B. I'm going to put it all on the line. And trust him. Because he has been faithful. And he has shown his greatest love on the cross maybe you're at a difficult place right now and if you look at your circumstances you don't find many reasons to trust God and maybe today is just another way I'm going to trust one more day. It's all that is needed. I'm going to trust God one more day. And some of you haven't met God yet, haven't had this mystical encounter. Now don't be as German as I am and say God you have two weeks but Maybe this morning you want to ask, God, if you're real, if what this guy there in the front is saying, what do I have to lose? Come into my life, show me. I can't make you believe. I can't make you experience this. This is, this is something that God has been doing over the centuries. And so maybe you just open up your life to pray and say, God, I want to experience this as well. We're going to sing two songs and then I'll come and close in prayer, but we already want to use these two songs to pray in whatever category you fall. To pray. Say, I want to trust more. I want to hold on. Maybe just for one more day. But use these words as we sing them as your prayer and opening up to what the Spirit maybe wants to do in your life.